everybody. Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. Week three is here. Uh, your Miami Hurricanes will play their first game of the season at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday. And it's coming against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, David, we normally like to kind of preview and break down a, a bunch of the opposing team. But since it's Bethune-Cookman, I don't really think most listeners are going to care that much. So I thought we kind of change it up uh, this week for the podcast, or at least the the pre, I guess, preview podcast. Um, and I wanted to highlight a story you wrote, I think it was either on Monday or Tuesday, 10 players that Miami needs to get uh, on the field this week if they're going to build some depth. And I think it's really, you could toss that Central Michigan game in there as well. So yeah. I guess kind of, why did you write this and what are your thoughts heading into these next two games? I mean, obviously Miami's going to be favored by a lot. A lot of people are expecting wins. So uh, is this really about just playing the young guys? I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, Miami has to handle the game uh, in order to do that. And the sooner they do that, the better, to be honest, because that means more snaps for these younger guys. Um, but I kind of wrote that just because, you know, Miami started the season with two Power 5 opponents. And for the most part, the playing rotation was kept tight, which I agree with. I mean, the coaches need to play who they trust in those two two games. And, you know, it's not a time necessarily to throw inexperienced guys out there and get their feet wet. But these next two weeks are that kind of time to do that. And it's important to develop depth for the upcoming ACC run that follows Bethune and Central Michigan. So, you know, I think me, me, what I'm looking at specifically, uh, to be honest, is developing more defensive line depth. I do think it's it's a strength of the team. And I do think they've kept things really tight on the defensive line with snaps uh, through these first two weeks. So, you know, against Bethune-Cookman, I want to see more Greg Rousseau. I want to see more even Jordan Miller at defensive tackle. I want to see even Jason Blissett. Um, freshman defensive tackle from New York. I think he's a guy, maybe the last month of the season, he can give you a little boost because I do think he is a, a big-time talent. And then on third-down passing situations, I want to see true freshman Jafari Harvey, who I think is a freak athlete at defensive end. He enrolled early, so you would think he, he could be ready to go uh, to play at some point this season. So... Those are that position group in particular is what I will be watching. What about you, Andrew? Who, who are some of your young guys that you want to see get more snaps this week? Well, you mentioned the defensive line, and I think uh, I you're completely right. I mean, they got to get those guys going. For me, I think this game. If I'm Manny Diaz and Blake Baker, I honestly probably wouldn't even play the senior linebackers. Like I would be like, hey guys, you know what? You're warming up, and that that's it. I would treat this like an NFL preseason game in week uh, four or whatever, you know, when they send the, the starters home and it's really the guys that are battling for roster spots. I think they need to absolutely play Sam Brooks as many snaps as possible. Uh, I think they need to get to Corey Couch in the game. Uh, those two, for sure. I, I think they would wish Bubba Bolden maybe uh, was clear just so he can kind of uh, get a preseason type game exhibition of sorts before he's eligible for that Virginia Tech and Virginia game obviously he's not expected back until then so that's that's kind of bad and then so for me I guess it's the defensive guys I, I think they probably wish they had some more healthy scholarship linebackers that are young but it's really just 
Sam Brooks. So I think he needs to be on the field a lot just because the reality is uh, this time next year or, or, or really at the start of the season, it's Sam like, Pinkney's gone. Shaq's gone. Uh, we'll get to Zach McLeod here a little bit more in the podcast, but these guys are going to have to play. So you got to get them game reps. You got to get them snaps like right now. So the fact that they haven't had an opportunity to really insert Brooks in the game is probably unfortunate. But if you remember, you can play these true freshmen in up to four games and still retain that, that red shirt. I, I don't personally think Brooks will red shirt, but he's a guy in my eyes where it's like, if he's not in there by the, fourth, fifth, or fifth defensive series. I, I think Miami's definitely doing him a disservice. No, I agree. I agree with that point. I think it's interesting that we're both focusing on the defensive side. What about on the offensive side? Who? Give me one guy who you're like, all right, Miami needs to get this guy going. Mark Pope. It's absolutely Mark Pope. I, I looked it up this morning. You know, he's never played more than 29 snaps in a game. And I know, you know, he's only been here for... Uh, a, a little while and he's, he's still young but that was a little not alarming to me or but surprising just kind of given some of the games last year I mean they played Savannah State I mean all 29 of those snaps came against FIU I'm still not ready to write off Mark Pope and I think you texted me this and said the same thing like we still think he's a talented guy but he's gonna need to get it going in one of these games whether it be Bethune-Cookman or uh, Central Michigan just because if he is what we thought he was in high school, then he should be able to run laps around these guys. Yeah, and I agree. I think, you know, Mark is a guy who, just to me, comparing to what we saw from him in high school, it looks like he's not quite fully confident yet. So these next two weeks would be a, a good time for him to get that confidence and just go out and play. I think another guy on the offensive side, and look, we saw him have a touchdown against North Carolina. Um so that was good. But I want to see kind of a similar thing from Will Mallory. I, I still get the sense that he's still feeling his way through things right now. He's not, he doesn't, to me, he doesn't look super duper confident out there. And so I think these next two weeks would be a good time for him to put up big numbers production wise and kind of get that confidence going because. You know, look, Brevin Jordan's doing his thing. He's living up to the hype preseason-wise. Uh, whereas Will Mallory's is, you know, he like I said, he, that touchdown was nice, but he's he still can do more, I feel like. And if Miami can get that two-headed monster going for the ACC run, I think that's going to be huge for the offense. It is. And I think with Will Mallory, the biggest thing for him, and I don't really know, I mean, I don't think he said this or – this is just kind of speculation from my standpoint. It seems like these past two games, he's been asked to kind of block in line, which really isn't his strength. He's been beat a few times, and I think that's really kind of hurt his confidence. So if he's able to push around some FCS guys uh, and really they just get him involved, it would be a benefit. I think another guy I'm interested to see uh, is Larry Hodges, the tight end. I mean, we saw him in that H-back role, I think, for about 14 snaps uh, against North Carolina. I want to know if this was a scheme thing uh, that Dan Enos, they, they liked what something they saw, so they installed that package and decided to roll with him. Or is, is he going to be a guy that they're going to try to get more and more involved in? Is he someone who's maybe even passed up Realis George in that fullback role just because he's probably a little bit more athletic, a little bit more versatile? So I think he's one. Uh, let me ask you this. Off in the line, would you change anything? I think they probably got to play 
the same five we saw against North Carolina uh, throughout the game, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got to you gotta continue to build continuity uh, on that offensive line. I think, you know, even um, even when Nikosi Perry comes in as, as the backup quarterback, I, I think they should leave the offensive line, that first-team offensive line in with him for, you know, a few series. Uh, this offensive line needs as much work as possible, even if it is against Bethune-Cookman in a blowout. Uh, you know, we keep touching on what this what this kind of game can do for confidence of a team, and I think that definitely applies to the offensive line too. Oh, I mean, how do we know Nikosi's the number two? You seem so confident with that. <laughs> well, from what we've seen, yeah, I think he's definitely. I mean, from what we've seen pregame no- warmups, I think <laughs> I think he's number two. I mean, I know he had the weird missing practice with a personal issue thing earlier this week. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe that could mean something, but I, for all we know right now, I'm expecting him to be the number two quarterback. So we'll see. I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. All right. Uh, quick question. Does Peyton Matocha, is there any point in the game he gets in? Like, it's like, yeah, I think so. Really? I mean, really? I do. I do. I think so. I mean, is it going to be anything meaningful? No, but you know, with this new red shirt rule, I think we're going to see him, you know, get one series in at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, most likely where he just hands the ball off. So that's my thinking. I don't know. Like, do you expect to see Tate Martell at quarterback? No, no. I think he'll be a wide receiver. Like if they maybe they'll show something uh, out of that Wildcat just for teams to prepare. But I think that would probably come against Central Michigan and not Bethune, right? Yes, I would agree. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it'll be Jaron and Nikosi getting the bulk of the snaps and then, you know, Peyton maybe get his feet wet last drive, fourth quarter. I mean, it's not going to mean anything, but right, right, why right, not? Right. I do think that I we, we said that we should keep that or not. They should keep that st- same starting five. I think if there's like two or actually just one offense alignment, I do hope that they at least try to get in the game where I'm interested to see would be Adam El Gamal the other uh, freshman offensive lineman, the, the one from New York, he was running in, in preseason camp with that third team left tackle. And I'm intrigued by him. I mean, I'm pretty much have written off Kyleon Herbert, uh, Zelante Hillary, Zach Dykstra. Like I just, I, it, to me, if Jakai Clark uh, passed them up on the depth chart after only being on campus really for three or four months, then that's just not a good sign. Like, I think I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not saying they're bust, but I just I think they're going to try to over recruit those guys. And if they haven't done it yet, like how are we supposed to expect them down the line? So I think you could try to get a guy like Adam El Gamal, who's probably most likely absolutely going to redshirt this season. And I think has a true tackle body. So why not try to get him into the game just to get some film on him? I think there's no doubt we're going to see backup offensive linemen. It's just a matter of when. Um, And yeah, it's with this redshirt rule. Why not? throw El Gamal out there. I'm with you. He does look like an offensive tackle body type-wise, which is a big deal for this offensive line right now because you can't really say that about many of these guys. So get him in the game. I do think, too, that the coaching staff is still... Um, they they haven't soured on John Campbell at offensive tackle, so getting him in the game and letting him show how... He has learned from that Florida game, that Florida experience of starting at right tackle. 
I think that'll be key too. So, yeah, I mean, look, I do think they should play the first-team offensive line more than you typically would against a FCS opponent like Bethune. But with that being said, they need to play all these guys. Get them all in the game. Let them show what they can do. I mean, that's kind of what these Bethune games are for. The Sam Brooks get in the game in the first quarter? Or when? what series no. do you think they put him at? Or? Honestly, I think... <laughs> I think they play the starting linebackers through the first half and then we'll see if they play in, in the third quarter. Um, that's just kind of my read on how this coaching staff wants to operate. If it were me, I would play Shaq and Mike uh, just in the first quarter, let them sit the rest of the game. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that situation because I'm with you. Like the depth there is scary. They need to protect Shaq and Mike. And they need to develop a guy like Sam Brooks. Uh, you know, the same could be same said about Avery Huff too. They need to get him in the game. So yeah, but um, I, it should be noted that we don't think, or I'm pretty sure Avery Huff didn't travel to Orlando, didn't travel to North Carolina. So not really sure what's going on there, right? Right. I mean, sure that ha- But again, you know, I, I would bet that we will at least see him in the fourth quarter for those meaning, you know, not meaningless, but for the, when the game's out of hand, I think we'll see yeah. Avery Huff out there doing something, you know? Well, this kind of leads into the next thing I want to talk about. I teased this a few minutes ago. Zach McLeod played four defensive snaps against North Carolina. So now he's played two games. Do you redshirt Zach? McLeod and try to save him for next season. Yeah, I mean, this is something we've talked about just on our own on the side. And and let's be clear, like we're not speculating this is going to happen. Um, this is just uh, us kind of hypothesizing what would you do? So if it were me and if I was Zach McLeod, I would want to redshirt this year. Uh, because I know I could come back next year and be the man at, at, <clears throat> at linebacker. And I think that benefits the defense next year, obviously, with with what they have coming back and Shaq and, and Pinkney leaving. Um, you know, like you said, he's played in two games. He still has two more games to play this year and still retain his redshirt status if he wants. So I am... I am going to be very interested to see if they do play him, period, against Bethune. If it were me, I would not play him. I would keep those two games in my pocket just in case I need them. Um, but again, maybe Miami isn't thinking like this. Maybe, you know, I don't know. This this hasn't come up with Miami yet, um, the coaching staff yet. Um, I don't know well, if any... I'm, sh- I'm sure people are going to be hearing it after this podcast drops, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and again, let's be clear. Like in the last week, we we were speculating, not speculating, but we had the knowledge that maybe Jakai Clark would be starting and DJ Scaife would be starting at right tackle. That's this not, is the, not case the same here. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. This is you just know? something me and you have been kind of spitballing in our heads. And right. then it's like when you get the snap counts, you're like, all right, this guy played four defensive snaps. Now, I do think Zach McLeod is on a ton of special teams. I actually think he's on like every yeah. special team. So you would be running, not a risk there, but now you're taking that guy 
off special teams, a veteran guy, a guy who can do do a lot of different things. I mean, he's pretty athletic. He can run down there on kick return. Uh, but it's an it's an interesting thought. I mean, what are you going to do next year? Bradley Jennings, Wayman Steed have both been dinged up, knee surgeries. Pat Joyner, I, I, we haven't seen him in, in forever. I think he broke his shin bone. Um, yeah. What what you you got to do something? I mean, I'm going to assume they're going to go to the portal, but if you like you said, if you're Zach McLeod, why not be like, hey, I will be the dude next year and i know that this defense is still going to return guys i know there's me safeties behind me i know the same cornerbacks assuming trajan bandy doesn't leave and i i don't think he's going to leave uh he'll be on the outside like i don't know i mean they talked Shaq and, and pinkney into coming back i just think uh, it's hard because my thing is hear- it makes a lot of sense for zach like i do think and let's also you- he's been dinged up he was dinged up in the right. spring wasn't he dinged up at the at the beginning of camp Yes, he always, yeah. Well, this camp, I think he was healthy. But, yeah, for the most part, for his whole UM career, he's had a wrist issue. And, you know, he said during camp this year, it's finally healthy. It's like the first time he can remember that being the case. So I do think, like, like if you line up him, Pinkney, and Shaq, Zach is the most NFL-looking linebacker of the three. Yes. Now, he doesn't have, he hasn't shown the instincts yet that the other two have, but... I do think, you know, size slash speed combination, he's got a chance at an NFL career, but he needs to show it. And I think, you know, taking a red shirt this year would be that opportunity. We also got to think it seems like this, they are the base defense right now. It has the striker on the field. So it's like, how many snaps is he really, truly going to get? I mean, we saw North Carolina, I mean, Georgia Tech's out running that triple option anymore. So that's like how many pro style offenses I think Pitt maybe, but it's going to be a lot of spread. So he's not going to be on the field a lot, a lot. I mean, you're not putting a lot on tape. So why not wait? No, I come back next year. I get 50, 60 snaps a game and I'm the dude. I don't right. know. It's just, it's and I think to too, think like two things, two things along with this is, you know, obviously if Shaq or Pinkney get injured, this goes out the window. They should play Zach McLeod in one of those two guys' spot. Uh, the other thing would be, you know, I think if you look at next year's defense, and obviously this is projecting and you never know how things are going to go, I think you, I think, like, I would assume John Garvin will come back. I guess you never know, but I think he should come back for his senior year. I think I the same. Oh, let me, let me, I've not seen his name anywhere on any NFL draft stuff. Just, just right. tossing that in there. Right, right, right. But again, you never know with this school. Like, guys just like to leave. John Ford, I would say the same, should come back for his senior season. You know, and if that's the case, you got to feel good about, like, Greg Rousseau's coming back. Uh, Scott Patchen, sixth year, maybe, or no? Am I wrong? Maybe. I mean, they kind of hinted that might be a possibility. We'll see. Um, and then Jafari Harvey, too, will be a, a sophomore presumably, or a redshirt freshman. And then that defensive tackle, you got to feel good about Jordan Miller developing. Nesta Silvera will be one year older. And then you got the two New York uh, current freshman defensive tackles after another year in the program. I think they're big-time talents, and they will provide depth there as well. So D-line to me looks good. Secondary will be older, and I think that experience will matter next year. 
And so, yeah, you just look at that hole at linebacker. I think it makes a ton of sense to want to plug Zach McLeod in there next year, too. Like, I think it makes sense for Zach, and I think it makes sense for the program moving forward to next year. So we'll see. I guess I think we'll know more after this Bethune game. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's 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 cer- certainly a conversation that is fun to not, not talk through, but if you're, you know, someone that's this is roster management. roster. Like yeah. this is, yeah. you know, this is nerdy college football stuff. So I think it's it's interesting to to talk about for sure. All right, let's shift uh over to the other sideline real quick. Just kind of I guess not talk about, I hate using that word talk about, but Bethune Cookman uh, opened the season with a win in the in the MEAX SWAC. Uh, all right, I think that's how you say it. Uh, challenge beat Jackson State. If you know anything about that game, that's the game where there was that Sports Center highlight where uh, the Jackson State Tiger was celebrating with a player and got flagged. That was the, that was the game. Uh, but they're one to zero on the season. Had had the week two game canceled because of Hurricane Dorian. Uh, Miami opened the season against them back in, in 2017 uh, when Mark Rickman and was there. Malik Rozier, I think, threw three touchdowns. Um, obviously, Miami should should handle these guys. David, just a quick glance at the roster. Anyone stand out to you or anything yeah. we, we should mention besides the... the... I mean, look, you Go said ahead. it. Like um, Miami should handle these guys. But just to highlight some of the key notes with Bethune for this game, I think... The quarterback stands out, Akevius Williams. He's a dual-threat type of guy. Um, they'll use him running the ball. They run a spread offense, so you'll see a lot of RPOs. You'll see a lot of screen plays. I think, too, you sh- Miami should expect some wrinkles. Um, Bethune, whenever Miami plays Bethune, they throw something different at him. Uh, and then defensively, you know, last year for the FCS level, Bethune did a good job of, of uh, coming up with interceptions. And I think, I think in that season oper- opener against Jackson, they had two defensive touchdowns. One was a pick six and one was kind of like a scoop and score. Um, so, you know, look, and I think defensively they'll, they'll mainly play a lot of zone coverages and try and keep things in front of them. Um, to me, the biggest thing with this game I just want to see the energy Miami comes out with. Obviously, that was that was somewhat of an issue at North Carolina. And to be honest, that was an issue the last time Miami played Bethune-Cookman in 2017, I believe. I think after the first quarter, the game was tied at 3-3. Three to three. Um, Which, you know, Miami pulled away big eventually during the rest of the game. But you don't want to see 3-3 three to three at the end of the first quarter against your FCS opponent. So... Miami should be mad, should be angry, should be upset with their 0-2 start. I want to see how they approach, you know, kind of taking out that anger this week against a Bethune team. Well, spread team, so Miami doesn't need three linebackers on the field, right? <laughs> it's a lot of striker, yeah. A lot of striker. That, that was another guy I guess I should have mentioned uh, earlier. I hope I hope that they get Gilbert Frierson out there a little bit more. I mean— Love Ro- love me some Romeo Finley, and I know you're the president of his fan club, but uh, can't afford for him to get hurt. Doesn't need to prove anything in, in this game. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Let's see Gilbert get his confidence up, too. That's the key word of the po- podcast for me, confidence. <laughs> All 
Um, all right, moving away from the uh, Bethune-Cookman um, Wildcats, Manny Diaz made some interesting timed comments uh, earlier this week about recruiting. Uh, he was asked at his press conference on Monday, David, I know you were there. Um, he was asked, I, I think, about how he and his staff are redefining what a Miami hurricane is. And uh, this was his his quote. What I I tell you, I should say, quote, what I tell you broadly is that there's some things we are changing in terms of what we will do to take a commitment, Diaz said. Not all of those things are necessarily grandfathered, but there are some things going forward, what it means to be committed to Miami, and a series of criteria that has to happen for that to happen. There's a series of criteria of what happens once you are committed to Miami that's never been in place in the past. So take it a step back from that uh, as someone who covers recruiting, uh, follows it around, you know, around the year. To me, this makes it seem like Miami and, and Manny Diaz have put some new policies into place um, for commits. I think a lot of people, including myself, believe that they're telling kids they do not want them to take official visits to other schools or even unofficial visits to other schools once they are committed to uh, the Hurricanes. I've sent out some texts, talked with some commits, haven't really got – um, uh, I have a shy word. This haven't got, you know, a lot of kids have said they've kind of had the conversation with Miami, but it doesn't seem like there's some set policy. So I don't know if this is a case by case thing. I don't know if it's going to be moving forward. I know Marcus Clark, the, the most recent commit for Miami, um, the kid out of winter park, the, the three-star athlete who committed at, at Miami nights. He said that Miami basically told him they don't want him talking with other schools and, and taking visits, so, David, do you think this is going to work? What do you think that quote meant? Uh, let's just kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. Um, but at the same time, I do understand what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I get the frustration of the constant decommitting that happens to Miami. Uh, you know, Miami has a reputation of being you know, kind of decommit you on the on the recruiting trail. And while that is true, I do think it is somewhat unfair because it gets taken out of context. And look, recruiting in South Florida is difficult. It's a different animal. Um, every school around the country comes to South Florida and tries to, you know, pick off some some of the best recruits that are down here. So, you know, look, my thing with this is, number one, I honestly don't think it's fair to the recruits. Like, I do think they need to go out and see other schools, even if they are committed. As Miami, you need to be confident that um, in your program from the standpoint of, look, Jaden Francois, you can go visit Ohio State, uh, have a good time. But guess what? When you come back to Miami, you're going to understand that things are better here and that we want you more and that this is the best fit for you. Um, so that's how I think Miami needs to act. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, Andrew, like when you're dealing with big, big, big time recruits, uh, like let's say Don Chaney, just hypothetically, let's say he wants to go take visits, right? He's committed to Miami, uh, borderline five-star running back. 
if he goes to Miami and says, look, I'm going to go visit Georgia. I'm going to go visit Penn State. I'm going to go visit Florida. What is Miami going to say to that? I I don't know. I mean, I've kind of danced all around this and gone back and forth in my head. I understand why they are bringing this up. Miami led led the nation in decommitments last cycle with 19. I mean, the class was raided down the stretch. Marcus Crowley went to Ohio State. Kingsley Yukagen, Michael Tarquin both went to Florida. I get it. Uh, we're not even talking about them hosting Chris Bogle for two official visits and not being able to sec- secure him. Uh, them not being able to get Tyreek Stevenson. And there's some people that felt out of all these South Florida defensive backs that have been down here, uh, you know, Josh Job, Chris Henderson, uh, they felt the best about Tyreek Stevenson. It's like at the end of the day, you guys couldn't close with him. So, I don't know if this is going to work just because like you said, the kids have all the leverage here. I mean, right. They're going to be like, all right, well, you know, I got four or five other legitimate offers. So I I think they have to treat it as a case by case basis. And that's going to get sticky. I I think one, um, I don't know one theory I kind of came up in my head, maybe what I would try to do is you got to tell these underclassmen because that's that's really what's happened. Most of these decommitments are kids that are that are committing um, right. as a sophomore, right before their junior year, really fresh on that recruiting scene. And it's only getting worse with social media. I mean, you got to remember five, five, ten years ago, these kids didn't have um, not the brand, but the exposure to all this that other people have. So yes. I think maybe you you, t- you take a step back. And you say, all right, you know what, you want to commit here? We're not taking your commitment unless you play by our rules. So we're fine. We'll take your commitment. We're going to offer you. But look, you can't go to Saturday Night Live at Florida State and camp just because your high school teammates are growing up there. You can't do this. You can't do that. I think that's maybe what they should do. Like, we'll take you. We want you. But we're not going to let you say I'm a Miami commit only to a year, uh, six months later, you to announce it and do a notes app and just be like, hey, I'm opening things back up because I think Miami feels used. And in some ways, they are being used. It's fair, once, yeah, they are. Yeah, no. And I think that that's kind of what I kind of read. I mean, Diaz talked a little bit more about it, but uh, I think the quote was, um, part of this is not tolerating people not respecting the University of Miami, not respecting their hometown team. That's something very personal to me. I want it to be personal to our staff, and I want it to be personal to our players. And we've seen in the past, uh, I think it was after Bogle picked someone else, I mean, some of the players on the team did actually tweet or I should say subtweeted, or maybe it was someone else. I'm confused. So I do think there's there's a little bit of that. Um, and when you talk with recruiting personnel, I mean, guys inside the program, they always say, hey, is this kid going to be a locker room fit? Uh, so we'll see. My right. issue is is they want to they're, – they're trying to say we're trying to find the, mo- the model Miami Hurricane. Well, the issue is I don't know if you're going to find 25 Miami Hurricanes every year that are going to listen exactly what you want, that are going to be talented enough where you can win the ACC, right? I mean, there's only so many Marcus Clark, so so many Marcus Clarks out there. Yeah. Tell me this. Is the decommitting issue, because it is an issue, like I'm not denying that it's, it's not something that needs to be fixed. Is it an issue because of a recruiting policy and like guys are visiting other schools or is it an issue because Miami's just not winning? Because like, to me, if Jaden Francois, like if Miami goes six and six or seven and five, why would Jaden Francois come to Miami? You know what I mean? If Ohio State is after him hard, if Penn State 
is showing him a lot of attention. Like to me, you also need to show these big time recruits that this is the place to be. Does that make sense? I mean, ding, ding, ding. I wrote the story on Monday on, you know, Miami.247sports.com on Inside the U. I said, look, Miami's 0-2. We're going to find out right now if they're going to be able to hold on to this class. And we got absolutely peppered with comments about how this is premature and all that. But the reality is Miami's lost three straight games against Power 5 opponents. I mean, they can sell the new Miami all they want. They can sell the new IPF. But kids want to go to programs that are winning. And, right. and I know the games are close. It's It's been seven points decided. But, dude, I mean, that stuff matters. There's a reason why... Jaden Francois paid for his own money to fly up to Columbus to work out for the Buckeyes. You know, it's a different animal. It's a different type of program. And Miami just needs that momentum. Like they needed to go two and zero, or, or at least one and one. I mean, the, the thing that really sucks is Miami's zero and two, right? But damn, if they had won those two games, I mean, they would have oh, as yeah. much recruiting momentum as anyone in the country. It would be just like the 2018 cycle. Um, yeah. So I mean, we'll for see. the I most mean, part, recruiting is a reflection of what's happening on the field, right? Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it absolutely is. I, I know, I think you said, or me or you are going to work on that story. Uh, how many teams have signed a top 10 class that won less than eight games or eight or less games? And I, I don't think it's a high number. I started doing the list. I think like Texas and Tom Herman's first year, maybe. Yeah. Um, it, Georgia, it's, maybe. It's not a long Kirby, You know, yeah, those guys play on a different level. Georgia has the highest recruiting budget out of any school in the country. They spend $2.6 million a year on recruiting. I was at a game on Friday night and there's a Georgian assistant coach there at Traz Powell stadium. Georgia had a home game the next day. He's not right. flying commercial back. He's he's hopping on a jet and going right back to Athens. You know, he probably made it home before I did. So no, yeah, I get it. It's definitely something that Miami and Manny needs to address, like to act like this, it isn't an issue is also not very smart. Um, like you said, though, I'm interested to see how this is implemented. Um, and, you know, look, if word gets out that, oh, Miami's going to let Don Chaney take visits, but because I'm a three-star, I'm not allowed to go yeah. enjoy myself, you know. Because, look, these visits are fun for the kids, and I do think they've earned them to some extent, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's a tricky situation, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, and I think, I don't know, my I, I, I think we're going to see a lot more national recruiting for Miami. I think we've, we've touched or hinted at this in the past, not on this podcast, but just me and you talking or what we've written. I mean, they seem to be pretty happy with how they pulled those kids out of New York. Uh, Rump went into Alabama, took Christian Williams. I think they want to find guys that want to be at Miami. And they've just been so burned as of late by kids that are local. Yeah, I think they're kind of getting to the point where it's like, ah, dude, I, we can't do this. But at the same time, the 2021 class in Miami-Dade County is like the best it's been in a very long time. So it's like you got to stay local that cycle. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's that, and I think, too, it's also, like, Manny always, Manny knows the blueprint to win at Miami, and the blueprint is very simple from a recruiting standpoint. You got to land the best kids from the state of Florida, and more specifically from South Florida. So, is he going to reinvent the wheel at Miami? I don't know if that's a smart way to go, but again, I get it. 
the recruiting locally has been extremely frustrating. So something needs to give. All right, let's. That's enough recruiting talk. I can I can go on all day here. <laughs> I obviously have a lot on my chest that I had to get out. We get we'll we'll get it out here uh, next week for Central Michigan for the Chippewas. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to your score prediction for this Bethune Cookman game. Um, what do you are we seeing a seventy seven and zero blowout like we did at Savannah State last year? Miami, I just checked forty one point favorites. According to the folks in Las Vegas, uh, there used to be a time when there wasn't even lines on these FCFs games. Uh, so that's what seven touchdowns they would cover. I will note, though, Bethune has covered two straight spreads over FBS schools. Uh, they covered against FAU last season. They also covered against Nebraska and they covered in 2017 um, when they were 46 point dogs to the Hurricanes. David, how many how many points are they winning by this week? I will predict 55 to 10 Miami. I think I hear you on the spread. I mean, that I like Bethune is not as bad as Savannah State was last year, right? Oh, wow. Like, I think they're, they're like more... shutting down the program, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and look, the way I think about it from a spread uh, perspective and a betting perspective would be like, I feel really good about Miami's two quarterbacks because in a game like this, you're not going to play your starter the whole game, of course. Uh, but assuming Nikosi Perry does play, is the backup, I think that's you know a one-two punch that the Bethune defense is going to have to deal with. I think that leads to more points. So I'm going to go 55-10. Miami, they cover the spread. Ooh, I like that. I don't have a score prediction. I think Miami does cover, but that is a good. That is a great thought process. I mean. It's not like Nikosi Perry's going to come in and want to hand the ball off. I mean, he's probably going to want to tr- show everyone that he can still right. still play and get that offense going. That's a and that's honestly, a good like I think Miami will call plays for him too to keep him happy. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. So, oh, I think they're going to try to take out some frustration. I think yes. for sure. Yes, I just I just do think Bethune will have a chance to score late in the game just because I think. Miami's reserves on defense, specifically the linebackers, not saying Sam Brooks, but uh, I think there's a lot of question marks there. And, um, you know, they only got three healthy, sa- three healthy safeties, right? Or I guess four yeah. to count Keontre Smith. So I think they'll be uh, vulnerable there late in the game. I hear you. But I do think at that point in the game, you do see more backups because Bethune also doesn't want to get their starters yeah. injured. You know what I mean? So... I think it all evens out during the course of the game. I'll give them 10 points. Uh, yeah. You know, I think Miami should roll, though. It's just a matter, like with these games, it's a matter of how do you look. Um, so that, that'll be kind of the storyline I'm watching. How does the defensive defense look? How does the offense look? Um, because really, I mean, it's it's going to be easy situations to win for Miami this week so stay healthy and look good doing it you know you know who i'm interested to see what what do we get out of bubba baxa am i getting 50 yard bubba baxa today or can't hit a 26 yarder today <laughs> well you would think you would think he will be okay i i gave him in my prediction i purposely gave him two field goals so i'm feeling good about bubba yeah, well, hopefully if Manny gets anywhere closer, like just send him out there. Like, do not go for it. Like, he needs yeah. the uh, the reps. He any any 
Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, go. I was, I was say, just going to any... say, he needs some positivity. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Any uh, national bets you like this weekend? I got I got Virginia minus six and a half against Florida State. I This line makes zero sense to me. I watched Florida State uh, almost lose to ULM, and their quarterback did whatever they want uh, against the, the Seminoles. I think Bryce Perkins is going to have a field day uh, against Seminoles, uh, against Florida State. So I'm, I'm all over that. I think Where it's at is seven. That and, now? Is it, I think it's up? like, it's like at seven and a half, eight or something yeah. like that. I mean, I just, why is it so low? Yeah. You would think, cause I mean, Virginia's at home too, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I like that six and a half, um, FSU's defense is just so bad right now. Like I think they're, defense is ranked in the 120s and they haven't played a power five team yet like that's a really bad sign um in terms of other bets i haven't really looked at lines so i got nothing for you to be honest other than my dead on bethune pick (laughs) all right guys well that's gonna wrap up uh this edition of through the smoke um make sure you guys are staying locked to the website miami.247sports.com the hurricanes are expected to get some recruits out to hard rock stadium uh for the game on saturday i already reported on two of them brian balaam a safety at a miramar 2020 kid he's expected to be there and then michael mclaughlin a uh 2021 offensive tackle who uh david you've seen before uh a bit of a project but i really like his tape yeah. those two guys are going to be there I'm sure there's going to be more. So uh, check out the site. We'll have that VIP stuff covered. And we'll have everything after the game. Uh, Snap counts, PFF grades. Um, There's only one spot to be to really get all that. So please stay locked to the site. Yeah, enjoy this win, Miami fans. And and hopefully, like I said, hopefully Miami looks good doing it. And, you know, we'll get out of it healthy and on to Central Michigan. All right, peace. Later.